Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so the King's Mantle. Not sure if that's what I'm going to call this message today, but it, it, it could end up being the King's Mantle because, um, you know, a mantle in, in, in the Bible is, is it's a mantle. It's like a garment, but it's this, this aspect of authority that comes upon a person that causes them to walk um, in the authority of heaven. And I want to talk about the, the mantle of the Lamb or the mantle of the King today. Um, this authority that, that trumps this reality to be an ambassador of heaven. Um, it's a mantle of, of a mystical, supernatural, spiritual walk that I believe is the heart of true Christian living that we're all called to walk in. And I know if you've been around some of the circles, you know, the charismatic or prophetic circles, you know, mantle is... It's textbook uh, Christianese. It gets thrown around, you know, in that lingo. Uh, but it is actually a real thing. Actually, I remember one time I got a, um, I got a prophetic word from a pastor who, who was actually out of, out of the country. And so I got, a, I got it through another pastor that he called. He was, I guess he was, on, he was on a Skype or something. That's if they, they did that, I think, back then. It was like on a Skype call back in, this is 2008. And he calls from South Africa where he was, Skype to this other pastor, and says, hey, you need to call Daniel Turner and tell him that he's, he's receiving a new mantle, you know. And um, so the, the other guy calls me up and says, hey, man, what's going on? You know, I'm like, hey, what's up? I was like, well, I was talking to so-and-so, and he called me, and he said, you were really on his heart this morning in another country. And he said to call you, tell you you're receiving a mantle, you know. And that's, you know, it's nice, you know, because if somebody tells, I'm not good, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, somebody uses that kind of jargon with me, usually it's just like, yeah, you know, okay, buddy, cool, you know, it's kind of a Christian, Christianese type of thing to tell, tell somebody, right, you know, but at the same time, he was calling from another country, we weren't talking that day by any means, and for, for me to be highlighted to the guy, it's like, well, that might be, that might be real, you know, some, so, it's a, it's a, it's a Christianese term of, of basically saying, you're moving up in a level of authority than you previously had, okay? Um, if we had a Christianese dictionary, that's what it would mean. And so um, I took it like, yeah. And, and then the guy who called me, his name was Josh. He says, yeah. And he said, he said I think it's, it's in Zechariah 3. It was either he was reading Zechariah 3 and wanted me to call you and tell you to read it, but you were getting a mantle. But it was something along those words, right? And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, like, Thanks. You know, you feel special. So, you know, you got called by somebody, you know, to, you know, from somebody else. And you feel like, oh, I appreciate you thinking about me, you know. And I remember I was, um, I was eating some lunch, probably something very heavily in protein at the time. I was a young guy. That's all, that's all I was eating on all the time. And I was a trainer. And I, in, the, in the mornings, I worked at, at a gym at a YMCA, you know, an hourly rate, you know, just kind of, you know, just to give CPR to somebody if they passed out, which never happened more cleaning up sweats what I really did all the time so I was cleaning up people's sweat that whole morning and but I had just become a, a trainer as well and so I started my own business and so um, I was kind of stepping out of that YMCA so I was coming home to eat lunch after that shift and I had some clients to go train so I remember where I was sitting in front of my television you know eating 
as many protein grams as possible probably. And um, after I hang up the phone with the guy, I get a knock on the door. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, who is it? I, I go up and it's the UPS man and he's already walking away. You know how they beat on the door but then they just roll out real quick. And this is when I lived in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. So he's, he's, roll, he's, he's leaving and I pick up this box and it's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm like, I got a, you know, I, I do have a friend. If some of you guys know Officer Renee, you know, they used to live up there. Um, so I thought like, oh, the, you know, they sent me something from Minnesota. I wonder like, what are they, what, what are they sending me, you know? And I open up this box and turns out about a month or two previously, I was throwing away a can of, of Sprite, or not a can, but like one of those sleeves of cans, you know, that you buy at the grocery store. And when I was throwing the sleeves of, of Sprite Zero that we had, there was a, there was a little uh, portion on the box that said, win an autographed jersey from LeBron James. And everyone knows who that is now. Well, back then, I mean, he was like a rookie, or maybe it was the second year, it was a long time ago. So he was just fresh out. And I remember going to throw away the box and seeing the, seeing the square on there. So I, I was like, well, what do you gotta do? And it was just like, just mail this in. Just fill it out with your name. So I literally cut the square off the box and just mailed it in and then completely had forgotten about it. Never thought twice about it. I just thought, yeah, why not? You know, I, I, I got a stamp and just put it in the mail. So here it is a few months later and I'm opening this box from Minneapolis, Minnesota and it's from Sprite, you know, the Coca-Cola company. Congratulations, Mr. Turner. You're the, reci you're the recipient, recipient of the grand prize award of this autographed, authentic LeBron James jersey. And it's got this upper deck, you know, seal that's on it. And then it's got the jersey with the hologram stamp and the LeBron James's uh, signature on it. And so I was like, okay, you know, it's like, I'm not gonna like, I was married at the time, by then. So it's like, I'm not gonna put it up in my bedroom or something like a kid, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Wear it around or nothing like that, you know? But I thought, man, that, that's cool. Yeah, and it's kind of a nice little thing. And so I just put it down, didn't think of it. I went and read Zechariah 3, which I think we'll look at today. But I ended up talking to that pastor later on when he got back to the country. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, listen to this. I got this LeBron James. And he goes, that's the mantle. And I was like, what? Like, it's a mantle. That's what it is. That's a sign of it. And I thought, I was like, it was after I hung up the phone with Josh from your word that I got that thing in the mail. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, well, well, yeah, okay. I can see that. And so Zechariah 3 has been an important passage to me because it represented even a season in my life where I did gain something, but I really had to walk through a lot. I had a, there was a lot of testing that was happening. There was a lot of maybe even uh, kind of rejection and positioning and all these things. It is a season in my life when I was having to learn to rely on the Lord and not to rely on my own strength and to trust His way in it, that I was gonna live by His way and He was gonna place me where I was called to be, which ended up happening. And so I go back and I read Zechariah 3 and it's just this, it's kind of a strange passage and it's very short, but it's this vision or experience that this prophet Zechariah gets caught up into, where he goes into the heavenly council and he sees a man named Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And in this, there's, it's communicated to him by the angel that this is actually a prophetic sign for what is to come. Now we know that Jesus' name, Joshua in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, 
They coincide with one another as the deliverer. And this is a prophetic sign about who Jesus is going, what he's going to be and what he's going to do. However, nobody knew this. This is in the time they were in the Old Testament rebuilding walls and temples and they were being encouraged to continue you know, doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, but in the vision or in this prophetic experience, you see Joshua, the high priest, who is the type of a high priest named Yeshua, um, standing before the angel of the Lord, there's your capital A, which is God in the flesh, which is Jesus, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him, Zechariah 3.1. And it, you know, it could be accuse or oppose, it's the same thing, the accuser. And Joshua, in the vision, never speaks a single word about the accusation. That's one thing that's really important there. So much like the Lord Jesus in the saying he knew counsel, right? And even before Pilate, you know, he just does not answer accusation. But the Lord speaks to Satan and it says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So here's the angel of the Lord, the embodiment of Yahweh, but he's also talking as if there's another Yahweh. You know, that's kind of strange until you're a New Testament Christian, right? And he says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Speaking of Joshua, this high priest. It says, now Joshua was, clo was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And the angel answered and spoke to those who stood before him, take away the filthy garments from him and see, I have removed your iniquity from you and will clothe you with rich new robes. And here's the mantle. This is the story of the mantle. He gets the mantle of heaven placed upon him in, in, in exchange for the filthiness that he was wearing before. And I love this vision right here <laughs> because in verse five, Zechariah, the prophet, he pipes up and starts yelling into it. And I, I never really saw that before. You're like, you're watching the angel of the Lord. You're watching Satan himself. You know, the accuser standing there. You're watching the high priest and, and, and the angel, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Joshua doesn't say a single word. He is chosen. Now put on the new mantle on this man of, of complete and total you know, white, pure garments, take the filthy away. And then in verse five, Zechariah pipes up and says, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and then the angel of the Lord stands by. I love that because he's, he's excited and he's seeing justice like, oh my gosh, he's in the judgment, the council, the accusers here, it's just a scare, scary thing. But then he sees it spin to victory. And he's like, yeah, hey, make him give him a new hat too. Make him give him a new hat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, whoa, the mind of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Is what we're, all these prophetic pictures, he didn't talk like a redneck, you know, like me, but, you know, all these prophetic pictures of like this up, this complete upgrade of this human that was standing before the angel of the Lord and before Satan himself. And then the Lord looks and he says, it says he admonishes Joshua, Yeshua, this, this, this prophetic type of what Jesus was going to do. And he says, if you walk in my ways, which is the nature of the Lord, and if you keep my command, you'll judge my house and have charge of my courts. And I'll give you places to walk among these who stand here. And that is the heavenly mystical walk of true New Testament Christianity that all of us have a place at. You know, that is the, 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 the heavenly council of Psalm 82 the authority of heaven, those who do the bidding of the Father to establish heaven and the earth. And it's just like, hey, this is your reality. Now, if you walk in my ways and keep my command, you'll judge the house and you'll have the authority 
to stand amongst the council, which had been had some issues if you know if you've been here for a while. Um, and it's this beautiful story that's very strange, but that all the Jewish people knew. Remember, they didn't have um, Marvel comics, right? I'm sure they had stories and stuff, but this stuff, these visions, these stories were so much a part of their life, right? And um, I didn't want to just tell that story because it's a cool one about the LeBron James jersey in Zechariah 3. But we are, you know, Passover is actually closing, just closed up, you know, for us. But it's like we've celebrated around the world, really, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And you know, three days later, you know, just if you were here, all the miraculous and powerful things that were happening on the spot when Jesus came back. Not only did Jesus come back and he was resurrected, but, you know, Matthew 27, 53, there was hundreds of people that were resurrected and showed themselves in Jerusalem, which is just bananas. You know what I mean? The whole place was probably just floating and freaked out. And all the Roman guards, everybody was afraid. Everyone's like, what does this all mean? But... There's scriptures just like when Jesus came and we covered last week of that Luke 24 when Jesus sits whether it's the road to Emmaus where he starts preaching Christ like to Cleopas and the other disciple like this is the way it was intended in the old covenant or these are things were prophesied of the Messiah in the old covenant and then he vanishes and then it says he actually sits with the disciples and it says he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And we're not talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're talking about the scriptures of the Torah and the Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets, all these things. And give them a grid of everything they thought was a failure, was, was being flipped on its head. And, um, you know, this, this reality of the disciples, I imagine this week out that we're at. Because, you know, eight days later is the one, like we said, when Thomas comes and gets to touch his hands and all these things from last week. It's just, it's, it's, it's wild. But we, I think sometimes we are so familiar with the Bible, with a Bible that we don't really know. You dig? We're just so familiar with the stories like, hey, 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 hey and I, I get it, you know, without actually really thinking about it, like watching it like a movie and realizing these pieces coming together in their minds. And when we see it like that, it causes it to come up in our hearts and our minds as well. And not only these disciples who are young, they're all younger than Jesus. They're all in their 20s probably at this point. Um, and maybe some late teens. But, uh, but they're just contemplating these things and they're remembering the stuff that he said and it's all starting to click what he forecasted. And um, it's like they're starting to understand the cross itself, which was the most tra traumatic event they'd ever experienced, was a release of immense power that changed everything. Obviously, all these resurrected people running around. Um, that the failure was the ultimate victory. You know, Selah. I mean, they were just sitting, marinating in that reality. And it was also coming to them like this. It was way bigger than they had ever thought. Even Judas. Judas is saying stuff in the book of John like, Rabbi, like, how is it that you're, you're, you're going to, be seen by us, but not by others. And it's just like this mentality that we don't catch, that it's like, yo, no, you've got to, we've got to take Rome out of here. You're the king. We think Judas is like just trying to, you know, Judas is actually trying to start the rebellion to overthrow Rome through Jesus. 
You know what I mean? They're wanting him to come back with the rod of iron and be this, this monstrous ruler, this Davidic king like David who wrecks shop on Rome and Israel becomes a powerhouse again. And now they're starting to, be, to realize, hey, this wasn't about Rome. We've thought really small about this Davidic king. This is about all of humanity. Even all of creation itself. That was under the bondage. This is, he, he came to defeat death. He didn't come to defeat Caesar. And that, that is a mind-bending shock to these guys. And they're remembering the things he said. And so today, I just want to go through a little bit through um, Matthew 16 and talk about the mantle of this reality, the power of this cross, that the disciples are coming out of with the, with the mentality, I think we'll touch into Zechariah 3, that prophetic picture. Um, when Jesus comes... And it's, it's the most profound thing for us to see, I think, as a church and as people right now. In, in, in Matthew 16, I'm imagining the disciples being together, fishing on boats at the house. Jesus is showing up at times for like, you know, 40-day period. You know, it's just their, their minds are bugged out. Like, what even is real? You know what I mean? What even is eternity? What is, what is time? What is space? You know, all these, they're not doing mushrooms. And, and DMT and all the things, kids. You know, these guys' are, minds are blown by reality. You know, this thing is real. They're having these conversations. And man, to be a fly on the wall. But I think we can do that. We can watch this like a movie and see these conversations. Because I see these guys sitting around and remembering stuff Jesus said. And it's starting to click. Like, like Matthew 16. When Jesus asked them in verse 13, Who are people saying that I am? Well, some say you're... You know, fill in the blank, John the Baptist, Elijah, you know, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But, but who is it that you say that I am? And man, that, there's such a profound teaching just in that, like, dude, what matters is who you know him to be, not what who somebody else knows him to be. You know what I mean? It's got to come personal. It has to. But who do you say that I am? And it says, Simon Peter answered, and it's almost as if he answers for the team and for the group. You know what I'm saying? But Simon Peter literally answers and says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And um, this doesn't happen. The Christ and the son of God. These two words don't happen together until the end of this book. And the next time it happens, it's, it's a bad deal. <laughs> it's that Zechariah 3 and Satan's in it. Um, you're the Christ. Jesus is moved by it. He says, he's blessed are you, sign of our for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you're a Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be that which is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be those things which are loosed in heaven. And it's like you have this profound little paragraph that Jesus steps into that I imagine the disciples remembering after he was dead. And I have proof because they wrote this after he, after he died and raised up. Levi did. Matthew. One of the guys that was there. And um, so they're sitting there talking and remembering the stuff like, oh my gosh. like Jesus wasn't like, and, I, and on this rock I will build my, I will, I will rebuild the nation and we will no longer be the slaves oppressed by Romans or by, you know, we will never be oppressed again and we'll rule the world and you know, his, his mentality, if you, if you can see this conversation that they're having, he says something that they just did not catch. 
it's like on this like church in a, a, a Greek word for a, for a Greek gathering, this ecclesia, this, this governing body. It's like on this rock, I'll build my church. And it's just like, what, you know, I'm raising my hand in the back. Like you mean synagogue, right? You'll build a synagogue. You're going to build the new temple, right? You're going to, you're going to build it or the temple's built. You're going to make it bigger. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was like, he wasn't even playing even their religious game. He was using words that were secular. And he was like, for the first time, he's saying, I'm coming to establish an ecclesia, a body, a group of people that is in such a level of authority that hell, which has actually been released onto the earth since the fall, will be shut out of the earth. Amen. The way heaven, like we talked about last week, had been shut out of the earth at Eden and limited into a small room in the Holy of Holies once a year. Now he's saying, I'm going to rip heaven over, open. I'm going to establish it on this rock. And the rock was what? The revelation of who he truly was. It's like, well, who do people say that I am? But who do you individually say that I am? It's just, that's right. And here we have Jeremiah 31, 33. We have all these Old Testament prophecies come up that are about supernatural power and cleansing and all these things. But they're about, you won't have to hear somebody, you know, tell you who the Lord is. Everyone will know me. It's like, who do they say that I am? Who do, who do you say? It's like, interpersonal like relationship with God is real. I've heard it my whole life and I never wanted anything to do with it. That's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thought in one ear out the other, I don't want to do that. You just, you read your Bible and you talk to the air every morning and that's boring and I'm not going to live that way. If it's real, I repent before I go to, before I die and I won't have to go to hell, but I'm not going to play this religious game. You know what I mean? And that's the way I thought. But the relational connection is this mystical, profound connection. It's just like Zechariah 3, walking in my ways, you have authority with me in the family business. You'll walk among those who stand here. What do you mean you'll walk among those? We're on earth right now. It's like, no, no, no. You're actually Ephesians 2, 6, seated in the heavenly places in order to manifest the authority of heaven onto the earth. This is a reality. It's not, you know, Christian mysticism. It is just Christianity, man. That's all it is. You know, and so... They're sitting here you're like, you're going to start a what? You're going to start a group that's going to bang against hell? Like, yeah, you mean Caesar, right? Like, no, 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 no. Like, this is, I'm going to, all the way back to death itself, I'm going to defeat the whole thing. Like, he had, he, he had in his mind a whole nother game than what they were playing. Whole nother ball game. Not even the same sport. Not even the same thing. You know what I mean? So much higher his ways. But the way he would accomplish it would seem like utter failure. And now they're sitting there thinking, like, remember when he said this? He wanted to establish. And he said he was going to give us the keys to heaven. And this church, this ecclesia, this people, this group, this new religion, out of, out of our religion, it's still Judaism because he's God and he's the Messiah. But it's like, what does this mean? It's like it's going to exist to do, excuse me, the very thing that he's been doing, destroying the works of the devil. That's what Jesus Christ was manifested for. At least that's what the Bible says. You know what I mean? They're going to be people that destroy the devil's works and entrances into this world. They're going to have the giftings of the spirit of their God living on the inside of them, who is living with them. They're walking with him. The mantle of heaven will be upon them, the mantle of the lamb, and they're going to shut these gates. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's, it's, it's a really cool thing, but these guys are just catching up to them. It says, then he commanded his disciples that they shouldn't tell anybody that he was Jesus the Christ. And um, I love the way that's worded. There's really something there. Don't tell anybody that I'm Jesus the Christ. It's just an interesting way to word that. But um, he tells them that, which we're like, you know, go tell everybody. You know what I mean? He's just like, no, 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 no. He had it in his sights. 
if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. It's like he had it in his sights. This is the end goal. Don't talk about it. Let me just live. Let me just do what I'm going to do. It says, from that time, he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. That's in verse 21. <laughs> Can you imagine that conversation with the disciples who are so shell-shocked, so traumatized, this right now, and thinking, now he's resurrected, but there's, that was still traumatic and scary, and Rome will probably still want to kill them. There's rumors all around town because all these dead people have been seen. Hundreds of them have been seen by hundreds of people, maybe thousands. You know what I mean? It's just like the whole place is shaking, um, which was deliberate, I think. It kind of took pressure off them because then everybody was saying it. Um, but now they're remembering, obviously, because Levi, Matthew, is actually writing this. And Mark, in the very next chapter, writes the same thing, which is actually Peter telling Mark what to write because that's his book. Um, but it says he starts to tell his disciples, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the chief priests and elders, and like, I'm, going to, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised three days. In other words, like, he told them this, and nobody understood it. And what's even more than that is it says in verse 22 that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him about it. Imagine that. Like, oh, you got to be scolded. Jesus, you got to be scolded. It's like you obviously didn't grasp the gravity of who you were with. <laughs> and... um. Far be it from you, this will not happen. I mean, Peter's sitting, he's, he must just be thinking like, you're having a weak moment. I know things are tough with the Romans. This isn't going to happen. You're God's man, I'm telling you. And Jesus is like, oh, I roll like, yeah, I'm God's man, buddy. I'm Yahweh embodied. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, dude. Oh my God. But Jesus takes him and he says, get behind me, Satan. Amen. What? Which is accuser. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Remember, if you'll walk in my ways, you'll have this authority. It's like this level of authority that was called to manifest that the ways of God are higher than the ways of man and that Jesus had this plan. And I remember, and I'm thinking if Peter, I'm sitting there, you know, eating a, you know, some fish sticks or whatever he ate around a fire, like, dang, he told me. I was like, and he'd be like, that's why he got so worked up when I started to try to block him from going to the cross. We're going to work something out so this doesn't happen. Jesus was like, no, you don't. That's Satan. Like, that's Satan to try to protect you? Like, what's, what is going on? And if you can imagine in a conversation, you're the Christ. And he's speaking for the group, I believe. We believe you're the Christ. It's debatable, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's most people... You're the Christ, and blessed are you, Simon Peter, because you're a stone, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. And you're like, yeah, dude, I'm glad I spoke up. I'm blessed. You know what I mean? Like, I am feeling a little... But then you're Satan in the next... And a couple sentences later, get behind me, Satan. I was like, man, how can I... I'm going from one to the other, you know what I'm saying? But that, that double-minded, carnal mind, God was replacing that thing. But it's like he got so stern when it came to, like... No, we're going to avoid that at all costs. We're not going to let you go through that. That's not going to happen to you. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's the main thing that's going to happen to me. And now Peter's sitting there eating a fish stick and thinking like, man, he meant this. He meant this to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, what in the world? He knew what he was doing. It's like, this wasn't about Rome. You know what I mean? This was about, this was about everywhere. This is about everybody. 
And even at that point, he wasn't even there yet, y'all. He is the one that got the revelation that it was about everybody in the book of Acts, you know, when he's waiting on his fish sticks to come out, when he's on the roof in the book of Acts and he's waiting for his lunch and the, he has the trance where the sheet lays down, don't call anything unclean. It's like, oh my gosh, this is for the Gentiles too. You know, he would get there. But at this point, he's realizing like, this wasn't about Rome. This is about saving all of us. This is redeeming all of us. And his revelation of Jesus was just growing and growing and growing. But they were still putting the pieces together. And we can rip through it because, oh, we've heard this since we were kids, some people. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know, brother, amen. You know, we can debate about it and all that stuff. But, but here he is. Jesus is getting, getting a little bit buck with him and saying, whoa, 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 no, not that. It's like, wow, that's why he was so protective about that. That was his goal. Like, man, it just sounds so, it's so crazy. <laughs> I just, okay, I can't say. You ever seen Jurassic Park? That one guy goes, you son of a gun, you did it. You know what I mean? That's what they're all like, you son of a gun, you really did that. Like, you really, Jesus, you really planned to go die. Oh my gosh, their mind are like, this was your plan the whole time. And now you're alive and you're like, yeah. And you're showing us the scriptures and you're telling us these things. And, and like, man, I had no clue. And now when you're like, get behind me, Satan. Like, Satan, like, oh my gosh, like the plan was always to go there. And nothing would oppose you otherwise. Because you are liberating everybody. And so when he says that, it's not personal, but it's like, hey, that is the mindset. That self-preservation is the mindset of fallen mankind. And I'm not about that life. I'm here to lay my life down. I am love. I am God. I'm Yahweh. You know what I mean? He then turns in verse 24 and says, if anyone, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so they remember him saying that. They didn't go to Sunday school. They didn't know Jesus was destined to die on a cross. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, take up your cross and follow me. They're thinking like the cross, like, you know, the things the Roman killed people on? Like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, man, like, surely that's, surely that's like metaphorical. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's not intending to, to you know, like, they just didn't catch what he was saying, you know? But it's like to take up the cross and follow the Lord, um, there's something there that is the mantle of heaven itself. It is the flaming sword that guards Eden. The cross plugged into Golgotha, which is the, the empty skull, the mind of mankind. It's like the mind of Christ was going to come on top of the mind of man, and it was going to actually flush it. And we would have mind, the mind of Christ, which sees only through love instead of judgment, which is the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, which poisoned us. So man would only have love. The tree of life would only be what grows from him, the fruit of the tree of life, the fruit of his very spirit. Yes. Love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness. And I can imagine Peter like, man, you really did it. Oh my gosh, you are crazy. And you are, you are the craziest person, but man, you, are, you actually accomplished what, that's why you wanted to do it so bad. And they're thinking back. Because Jesus is like flesh and blood, you know, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And they're thinking back to like Matthew 26. The only other person that he said that in front of was, was Caiaphas, the high priest, which sentenced him to death. So when Peter says it, it's like, blessed are you. But when, when Caiaphas says you are and puts those two together, the Christ and the Son of God, tell us, tell us, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And he says it is as you say. They're like, boom, kill him. That was, that was the thing. And if the disciples are looking back and remembering, 
even Peter from a distance, just remembering what was happening in the Sanhedrin and remembering what was happening um, the, of, of what happened. If you read like Matthew 26, like it says Peter followed him at a distance. The chief priests and the elders were trying to put false testimony against him. Matthew 26, 59. And people were coming one after another, making stories up or taking his words out of context. He said he's going to tear the temple down in three days and just really stupid things to where nothing was sticking on him. They didn't have anything on him. But looking from a distance, Peter, who's like down for him, is like, dude, why aren't you sticking up for yourself? They don't have anything against you. They have no reason to have you there. All you have to do is just talk your way out of it. It'd be really easy. This is just crazy. The whole thing was trumped up. Jesus, it says in verse 63, keeps silent the whole time. And I think Peter and Levi and Matthew and these guys, they're talking and they're looking back. They became students of the Old Testament. They hadn't been much before, but they became like, you know, you just read the book of Acts when, you know, when they pick Stephen and some of these guys to do some of the deacon duties. It's because like they were in the word all day, every day because they didn't really know it all that well. And it was like, we've got to understand this thing. And that's one thing Paul came in and really gave a strength to them. But, you know, it's like Jesus kept silent the whole time. And finally, in verse 63, Caiaphas is like, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you're the Christ, the Son of God, the very thing that Peter called him, those two things, same thing, both things. And Jesus says, it is as you have said. In other words, no accusation comes out of his mouth. No lie, no, he, he never even participates with the accusatory. He doesn't defend himself. Just like Joshua in Zechariah 3, he's just there standing, Amen. quiet, Amen. with Satan in front of him Amen. and the angel of the Lord. You know, he was in, he's in the courtroom of heaven. And, and I think they're seeing this, this double picture like this prophecy in Zechariah 3 has nothing to do with the it's all about the temple. It's all about Zerubbabel. It's all about the, the wall and the temple and all these things being finished and rebuilt. But it's like it had so much more to do with Jesus on trial. Amen. But Jesus wasn't on trial. You know, he may have been, it may have looked like that from the outside, but Jesus was deliberately there to win for all of us. <laughs> and that's what it's saying, not... In the tree of life, it just the word, the logos is like it's it's completely defining the difference. Hallowed be your name means separate be your name from everything that's been attributed to you that is not you. Yes. All the, the the knowledge of good and evil, which is the majority of the religious system, that's how they paint him. And hallowed be your name is our job, by the way. It's my job, and it's all of your job. But he's standing there, and he's kind of split from that, and he's just quiet until. Caiaphas asked him to confirm something that is actually truth, and then he speaks because he is truth. Tell us, are you this? You've said it. <laughs> You've said it. And I say to you, let's take it up a notch. You're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power coming on the clouds of heaven. Amen. How about that? Not only you're onto it, but this is what I am. And then it's like, tear my clothes and let's kill this guy. And, um, you know, that's the, the, the vision of Daniel 7 of the two Yahwehs, the two Yahweh powers that Daniel 7 had. One like a son of man in the ancient of days coming together. That's what he quotes to Caiaphas. Every single person in that council knew, like, you just called yourself God. And that's blasphemy. And you're dying for that. 
and Jesus on the inside is smiling. I don't know if he's smiling, but he's like, that's, that's what I, that's, yeah, do your job. Do it, you know? And if I'm Peter and I'm sitting there eating my, you know, biscuits or whatever, just thinking about, man, my fish sandwich, I'm just thinking about, oh my gosh, he could have got out of it. He deliberately didn't. And when he had an opportunity to speak truth, he only spoke truth, but he also gave them exactly what they would need. He wanted to die. And it was like, oh my gosh. You crazy God, you crazy son of God. That's how he's thinking at that point. You crazy son of God, you did it. You did it. Oh my gosh, you did. You meant this to happen. And they saw it. And I think seeing him, I don't think, you know, there's something to seeing the Lord Jesus as he truly is. Second Corinthians 3.18, broken record, I know. But it's like when we see him as he truly is, we, we reflect the same image from glory to glory. There's something to the imagers of God. That's what mankind is. We're creating the image of God to be the image of God. It's like there's some, those who are called to be the imagers of God on the earth, when they see him as he is, it unlocks them to be the same way. And all we see is the tree of life. All we see is forgive them they do not know. It's like, you know, you, it's like you don't hold anything. Like you got to accuse them. Well, you have to accuse them on something that they've done. It's like, no, they really don't even know who they are. They've been poisoned by that tree. But I'm going to take all of its poison on me. And I'm going to step. I'm going I'm to put it where it belongs. And I'm going to replace the garment of Adam with the garment of the lamb. And then we have these scriptures in Romans that talk about Romans 13, putting off our old man, but putting on Christ. It's just like, hey, we have the ability, this renewing of the mind, this mindset change, to step out of the lineage of Adam into the lineage of our true father. And it sounds too good to be true, but it is the power of heaven. And it's an, it seems like just nuts, but it is the best deal in the world. And we have this. And on this rock, it's like we have this ability to walk in the relational connection to him in all things. I think that's a good point for this message too. Is like when we're going through something, um, everything we go through, even if it doesn't make sense in the moment, if it's tough, if we stay unified and connected to him, it all will come back around. It'll all come back together. Like, oh man, our job is just like what he said in, in Zechariah 3. If you keep my command, in other words, follow my voice and walk in my ways. See, now we know Take up your cross, the mantle of God, all these things. These are the ways of God. Remember when Moses asked God, first he said, show me, I want to know you, right? Is what he said at first. But then he said, show me your ways. Teach me your ways in Exodus 33. And then he says, show me your glory. He says these three things in this conversation when he's dealing with his fear in Exodus 33. And God says, I'll do it. And what does he show him? He stands him on top of a rock, just like what Peter was, he was telling to Peter. All these, all these memories, all these things, he said this, he did this. You know, John 20, John 20, you know, all these Thomas, my Lord and my God. All these things are starting to take shape in their minds. We expect everyone, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's like, no, like all these things are coming together of the greatness, the reality of this man they've been walking with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, but Moses walked with, 
And he said, I won't show you my face, but I will show you my back. And Moses saw the glory of God in the back of God. Yeah. And uh, we know what his back looked like because we've read the end of the book. You know, the glory of God is the wounds, the, the extent that he was willing to go to, go through on behalf of his people. Moses is scared, talking about, hey, if you're going to really lead us into the promised land, give me, give me some assurance, show me your ways. It's like, this is how bad I want it for you. I'm going to take a beating at your hands, and I will never strike you back. So now do you trust me? I fully and totally love you. I'm not that other tree. And the disciples are learning this. Like, oh my gosh, these are the ways of God. The mantle of Christ, the mantle of the Lamb, the mantle of the King is for all of us. Yeah. I don't, we don't need to lay hands on her or get her a prophetic word about that. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's a cool story. But the reality about it is, knowing the Lord and walking in His ways, you'll have opportunities to not walk in His ways. And when we choose His way, above our old nature, and we put off the old man, we put on Christ, it becomes part of us more and more. That is the Spirit of God. All of our trials are actually opportunities to walk in His ways. Every relationship, every tension and pressure is an opportunity. And you're not alone. It's not a test. It's not, it's not even, oh, it's an open book test, brother. You know what I'm saying? It's an open, like, hand-in-hand -hand test. Jesus is inside of you. You know what I mean? He's with us. It's like, wow. He can bring this thing to life. We can walk through things with Him. Every trial, everything that we go through is an opportunity to become established in His nature. And the funny thing is, is like when you go through things with Him, um, the bonding that happens in it, it's immeasurable. The value and the bonding that happens with the Lord when you walk with Him. It's like it cannot be, it there's not a price you could put on it, you know. And, um, you know, sometimes we go through levels, sometimes we walk through a little bit of fire, you know. But if we... But if we, if we latch on and we hold on to the one who is the fire, the only things that are going to be lost in that thing is the stuff, is the baggage we didn't, weren't supposed to carry anyways. And we'll come out in the nature of the Lord. I wanted to read that. Uh, Romans 13, just really quick. Maybe we'll close with it. Just 13.10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing that the time, now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. It's like, what? Like, that dead Adam, that old mentality, that's, that's somebody walking asleep, doesn't realize who they are. The night is spent, the day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The full armor of God is Jesus. It's the nature of His Spirit. Let us walk properly as in the day, not as in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It's just like everything we go through and the, and the disciples are learning this like, wow. And Peter actually was going to get crucified eventually, you know, but unfortunately for him, but, or, for, or for, you know, depending on how you look at it, I guess. But it's just one of those things where we can be unified, crucified with Christ we can associate our, ourselves, reckon ourselves, as it says, dead to sin and walk as a different person. It's a choice. But the power of His Spirit to accomplish that is found in the relational connection to Him. 
And the mantle is, is, is the garment we choose to wear. If we can put off our old self, that means sometimes that thing, you know, it's going to flare. But we have a choice in it until it becomes our full nature, walking in relational with Him, relational connection with Him. It was funny, I'll close it. You know, um, in 2016, the beginning of 2016, I went through something else, sort of a fire in my life. And it was, it was basically a lot of pain that I had in my teenage years that I didn't realize that I was carrying. And it was manifesting in all kinds of different ways that I didn't realize pressures and pains that I was still dealing with. I didn't realize they were still there until, until the button was pushed and I, and I had to feel those things. But I walked with the Lord relationally to it. And, some, and my friends. I called Brad, like, yo, I gotta talk to you about stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, have, I'm, I'm upset, I'm in pain, and like, it's stuff in my past coming up, and I didn't realize, and it's affecting me now, and it's actually bleeding into my relationships now. I didn't realize these things, and the Lord was taking me to another level of deliverance or being free from some of this stuff. And I walked through it with him, and it was a, it was a beautiful time of actually growing more in the authority of the Lord, because I was with him in it. And, um, it was, it was funny because um, I, had, I had a dream. And in the dream, I got a package. Um, and this is the very beginning of January. It's like January the 6th I had this dream, 2016. And I got this package and I opened it and it was just like what had actually literally happened to me with the LeBron James jersey. Only this time, it was the whole Cleveland Cavaliers team. And I had all these jerseys. And I don't really keep up with the sports as much. When I was young, I really did. So I didn't even know the names on the jerseys. But there was just like, you know, 15, 20 jerseys in this big box. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I won it again. I don't even know how I won this thing again. You know what I mean? I'm taking all these jerseys out for the whole entire team. And if, if, if you know anything about sports, that year is the year that LeBron James came back to Cleveland. So he had left and went to the Miami uh, Heat and... Never thought he would come back, but he comes back to Cleveland to, to deliver a championship team to that city, um, which actually happened that year, which is really cool because I had that dream and, and it made my jersey worth more money, you know, <laughs> which I, my brother-in-law has it now because he's from Ohio, he's my homie, and, and so I was like, this belongs to you, so I, but he went through some cool stuff with the Lord and I was like, you know, I'm not going to hang it up, but you're, you're an Ohio boy, so you'll appreciate this and. So he's got it. Um, I mailed it to him last year. Um, but it's real. Um, so anyways, I got this dream. I have all these jerseys. And I woke up from it and I knew the things you walk through and the things you're growing in are not just for you. The mantle is for the whole team. And there's something so important about the cross and the reality of this life. And obviously I was a pastor of the Hoff there too, you know what I mean? But... Um, that the things we walk through and the things we grow, we have to offer to our whole body. Yeah. We have to offer to each other. The things you walk through, the things you are owning in life and growing in, you have that authority to add to your church body. You know what I'm saying? To your brotherhood, to your family. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. We all have a piece to play. And um, I remember having that dream and, <laughs> and um, like, wow, I knew like what I was going through and coming out of this thing the Lord brought up was being healed and it was like it was going to be there's more authority going to be multiplied from it. It was going to affect our people, our church, the whole team. And I thought, man, that's really cool. And um, the next day, I woke up from the dream. I think I told Nicole probably and was walking around. But I was at the house, and a FedEx guy drives up. 
runs up to the front door. And I'm like, <laughs> if those are some, <laughs> if that, if this manifests in real life, like that'll be crazy. A jerk, you know, cause I, I didn't write no more Sprite sweepstakes or nothing like that. You know what I mean? And so I went and opened the door and I opened it, it was a box and I didn't know what it was. So I, I'm, and um, it was actually a gift for, um, cause she was pregnant with Amar, our little one. And, um, but it was a gift from her family, somebody in her family. And it was a, a lambskin rug, like a literal, you know, hope there's not any hardcore PETA people in here, but there's like a lambskin rug. And um, I knew instantly, like, it's the mantle of the lamb. It's the lambskin. I was like, this is a sign. This is the dream from last night. This is like, oh, uh, I want to catch, you know, Bob Jones's mantle or, you know, Billy Graham's mantle. You know, all these people, they say these things, they this crazy stuff, but it's like, it's like, hey, the mantle of the Lord Jesus is the mantle that's higher than anything else we could have. And it's from taking up our cross and actually following him. And does that mean, oh, I'm just going to have to suffer? No, it, it, it means that the inheritance, everything that he's paid for us to walk in, in alignment with our Father, is what we're called to walk in. And you know it by its fruit. And everything that's the inheritance of Adam, of fallen man and fallen nature, if it manifests, we have somewhere to put it. It's like, ah, oh, this is the cross that I, this is, this is yours. I, crucif I was crucified in you. We can die to that thing. We can put it off and we can put on the new. It's the mantle of heaven. The mystic reality of this walk, of the prophetic walk, the supernatural swirl that real Christianity is called to be is available for everyone, not just the special chosen. It's those who believe and walk in faith, but they apply the cross to their life and they step into the family business. And that's us. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. Um, we thank you for the reality of what you paid for and that you've given us your all. We're not waiting on something. I ask that the, the mentality of faith the mind of Christ, that, you would, that we would step into that, that even our old patterns and ways of thinking that don't align with the truth of what you'd accomplished, Lord, let them be highlighted to us so that we can put those things off. I ask you for breakthrough in the hearts and minds of everyone that listens to this, the breakthrough of relational connection to you, to walk out of things that have plagued them, maybe for their whole life, and step into the reality of the inheritance you have for us. Let your kingdom come, and your will be done in and through us. And let your name be hallowed. Let it be separate from all those things in our own minds and in the world that are not of you. Amen. Amen.